Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, this is Dwyer Brown. I played John Kinsella in the movie Field of Dreams. And you're watching the Amato Podcast. Hey, guys. Want to have a catch? All right. And here we are today. We're talking to Atlas Cage. Atlas is a musician, filmmaker, and writer, and pro wrestler, uh, gamer, uh, member of <laughs> new collaboration on his Sky Titan label, Chords of Eve, uh, which is awesome. We'll put all the links up for all this so everybody can check them out on um youtube and spotify wherever else uh, we can find your music uh welcome right hey thanks for having me man appreciate it appreciate it too you told me beforehand that you're you're in texas right now yeah um, in austin texas how are you guys dealing with everything that's going on how is it down in texas uh i mean it's as good as it can be it's it's tough with austin because as much as it's like a a tech place it's also, I mean, it's a service industry town, you know, tons of bars, tons of restaurants, tons of venues and everything. So a lot of people are really, a lot of people are feeling the shutdowns right now, not just musicians, but there's also so many musicians here. It's just, it's crazy, but we're, we're getting along. I feel like it hasn't gotten too bad here. So, yeah. you know, we're still hanging. I mean, all the big festivals closing was kind of a bummer, but we're not, I mean, you see places like, you know, New York getting hit and it's just like, it's way way harder in some places than it is here that's for sure yeah no we're i mean we're in pennsylvania and we're completely shut down like uh, just stop doing what you're doing and stay in the house oh um, man yeah. well, hopefully we're hopefully we're all on that you know that down cycle uh, of like a roller coaster and we're on the way down and yeah, we'll all be good how did it affect your um your plans for 2020 uh it at first it wasn't too bad because a lot of the stuff we're doing with sky titan is a lot of online anyway so you know we got a lot of digital things going a lot of videos going and things like that but where we really started to feel it was we took a huge hit with anything radio wise we had you know radio campaigns running getting people but like college radio a ton of colleges all they all closed <laughs> so we we you know lost a huge part of the audience there and then also tomorrow actually or the 10th depending on when the show is april 10th we've got two EPs coming out. So both of the CD release shows got canceled. And today, Thursday, we were supposed to be on Good Day Austin playing on live on TV. Uh, so we, we lost a few spots on that. But I mean, it's kind of just, uh, it's music. I mean, stuff always kind of happens like this and you just learn to adapt <laughs> to it and do what you gotta do. do. Do you think, so you're still coming out with your EP? Yeah. EPs. yeah, yeah. Actually, I just set up a, an event. We're gonna try to do one song every hour for eight hours, play it for like 10 minutes and do a little live stream and then oh. 
keep cool. popping in and out and doing it that way, just talking to people. Nice. You <laughs> just, have to play, just chat. You have to give me the link for that. We can throw it up. Uh, yeah, do you think? Sure. Do you think that um, the events will just be paused and then you we can you can start them back up once everything's good? I think so. I think it's all got to get back to something, some sort of degree of normality to it, you know. And all these places. What I'm really hoping is that at least in terms of like, like strings of Atlas stuff, we play a lot of rock and roll and dive bars and things. And they're ones that are kind of just hanging on as it is. I really hope that there's these bars are still there and these venues are still there because, you know, all these lost wages and lost time, it's hard to say if the, these small venues are going to pop back up or not. I mean, we'll still definitely get back to live shows and everything and people will start doing the festivals and all that again. But the smaller ones and a lot of the independents are the ones that I worry about. No, absolutely. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, uh, the bartenders and and the waitresses and waiters and, you know, those guys and girls are, you know, sometimes only getting paid cash. So, you know, when they're not, when yeah. there's no work, what are they doing right now? And that's, it's a, it's a struggle, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, can we go back? Can you tell me about yourself? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I started, I guess like my music career, what, my music interest started pretty much in high school when uh, my first metal band, that's like where I started, <laughs> was just playing like death metal and screaming and yelling and being crazy with my friends and really got a taste for what it was like to be a performer. Because even though, you know, a bunch of 16 year old kids jumping around, we got booked at a ton of places. We played a bunch of bars of all things, which I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's frowned upon when you're 16. Okay. But, you know, Paso, like, people were like, whatever, as long as they're playing and not being crazy, it's fine. And as I got into college, I started getting more into producing. I met people who were doing hip hop. They were making beats. I started meet, meeting like student filmmakers who wanted someone to help with sound design. So I started learning like Foley art and soundscapes and things that weren't necessarily track writing, but more of like enhancement to a piece somewhere. And yeah, it just kind of grew from there. Uh, 2000, 2009, I had an internship at the Sonic Ranch Studios in Torneo, which is giant like that place is crazy it's a residential studio so people go out there they stay for like a few weeks or a few months record oh, their wow. stuff and then fly back wherever it was they were from so i did that for a while and that's where i really like learned a lot of my production skills now and then got on the road and spent like a good year and a half two years just driving touring and playing music i took a i had a 74 nova at the time packed up the trunk and just headed out west you know Drove around, played everywhere. I lived in Portland for a while and I was DJing there. I was drumming for a band in Santa Fe called Eyes of Nine for a little while. Lived in Chicago for a bit. I was in Grand Rapids for like a year recently, semi-recently. And yeah, lived out there, played music, met people, did a lot of uh, interviews. <laughs> when did you decide you wanted to do it professionally? Uh, I think probably Sonic Ranch had a lot to do with that. I was already on that path of when I went into college, I went into business originally because I wanted to start a label then and kind of quickly found out that like business and I did not jive well <laughs> at the time, you know, and I was like, well, whatever. I know music. I'm going to keep touring and keep making those connections and build up. And I really just put the focus on that for better part of a decade. And then recently was, you know, just presented with the opportunity to kind of revisit that record label. And I was like, okay, what is the next step up from what I've been doing? I've been doing the tours. I've been writing. I've been like producing with people. I'm like, where's the next big move? And it was, it was that label. And that I feel like really solidifies the fact that now 
this is your career. Like you own a business now. I mean, if you have a band, you own a business anyway, but there's a legal LLC created. Like it's, it's real, it's tangible. It's... Did, did you have some misconceptions before um, you started seeing the business side of all this about oh, the yeah. music business? Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell and, us about those? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, like I think a lot of artists kind of struggle with the business side of things. It's kind of that you get the mentality of, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. And it's like, oh, you're doing good music. You're putting all this time, all this money, all this effort. So naturally it's just gonna pick up. And that is of course not the case at all. And it's even more so when you start to get into the business of it and you realize just how many people behind the scenes are doing you know, 12 hours a day of this work and target marketing and creating all these strategies to release one single, but you're taking eight weeks to do it. And it's, there's so, so much that goes into it that just makes you really appreciate that side of it too. And there's almost an art to establishing yourself just as much as music's an art. Yeah, it's amazing. I was just talking to somebody, a country artist um, from our area here. And, um, you know, for me, you know, Friday mornings, I turn on Spotify and you click new releases and there's all the new songs. Yeah. Um, you don't really, <laughs> you don't think about all that other stuff. Um, the marketing and the and the the pictures you have to take for for the for the marketing and mm-hmm. um, the practicing. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot more to it than just click and play on on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a ton of work and it's it's kind of cool. I feel like you can kind of geek out on a bit when you really start to understand the flow of music from creation to being heard by an audience. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's cool. Yeah. Do you? are you handling a lot of that yourself the the marketing and and yeah definitely right now um a lot of this so like the the acts that we have signed now with sky titan um most of it i'm producing the music forward kind of like building up in some more like featured spots and then course strings of atlas like my own band and everything i've been doing for years on there and i'm sort of using this as uh using myself as a test subject to be like, okay, let's try these strategies and see what works, what fails, like what was not a good idea at all to do and what worked out really well. And after, you know, we haven't even hit like a full year yet. This started in November. So once we kind of get a year or two under the belt of that and really find the strategies, I want to start bringing in bands completely, people who are just needing that next step up, you know, who have gotten that foundation for them and then need a little bit of guidance where to go and kind of put myself a little bit more behind the scenes a little more as opposed to being the, the front line of everything and kind of allowing people to grow, but kind of just helping them get there. What are your music interests? Like what is your, your go-to music? Uh, in terms of style? In terms of style and then in terms of, Hey, I'm now I'm, I'm producing and working with all these other acts. Um, Cause it, it looks like you have, you know, a bunch of different types of styles that you're into as far mm-hmm. as uh, your strings, Atlas and then chords of Eve. Uh, and then you've worked with rappers and um, mm-hmm. all different types of music. I'm just a fan of anything that has a groove to it. Like I, the reason I love like heavy rock was just because there was just like chug along thing that was going on through it. And it was just like, it was something you felt, you just kind of move along with it. And I think that's, it's definitely apparent in my style. I, I'd say a lot of the stuff that I do kind of falls on the simpler side in terms of how it's like written, but how it's put together is where the complexity comes in. And so that's where I started to find my love in like hip hop because I, there were some of these beats and storytellers where it was it was simple but so complex and it was just every time it played you could just feel what was going on with it and it wasn't so so melodically complex. There's things going on everywhere and time changes and everything to kind of like 
I don't know. I feel like that for me kind of pulls me out of the music a bit because I'm trying to keep up with what's going on rather than just letting it like hit me and like feel it. So that's kind of like what I go for in every style. You know, I hear something in country that's got a good groove to it, something in jazz, because jazz is filled with that. And it's just, that's what I kind of draw it to. I love the bass. I love the groove. And yeah, that's the, that's the style I'm always gravitating towards. Who are some of your favorite hip hop artists? Oh man, I'm going to say Tech 9 right off the bat. Sage Francis, B. Dolan, Epic Beardman. I love those guys. Atmosphere is awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I know it, this ain't even popular to say, but I love Will Smith. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> like, when he came out with like Lost and Found, like years and years after all this stuff went on, I was like, this guy's still doing good stuff. Granted, the Miami album and everything, not so much. <laughs> but, but yeah. He has that flow. He has that, that there's, you know, there's, there's, there's something about the music. There's a story in there and uh, has a good beat and good melody behind it. So I know yeah. I get it. And he's not far, <laughs> he's from not far from here. But yeah, uh, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. How did you start a strings of Atlas? Um, it was sort of, I would say I blame monster magnet for that. Uh, that's a New Jersey band that I was a huge fan of when I heard them like years and years ago. And they, I still listen to them now, even though they don't really have much new stuff coming out. It's like dopes to infinity and anything like space Lord power trip, all that. I can just play over and over again. And I was, I was working at a, a music shop in El Paso at the time. And I had just picked up the dopes to infinity album. And I kind of was just on the, on the verge of like writing some strings of Atlas tracks. And I didn't really know where I was going with it yet. And I was driving back and just listening to that album. And I was like, this is where it's going. This, I'm like, this is amazing. I just, I want to make people feel the way I feel right now hearing this. And I just started sculpting the sound from that. And I mean, it's, it's an ever-changing sound for sure. There's definitely a foundation to it, but it's, I feel like every album's just its own thing. It's definitely a little better, a little different. And yeah, it's been that way since 2006. Nice. And so what your videos are, are, are cool. So we'll put up the link to YouTube. Uh, you oh, got to check you. them out. Um, how have you used YouTube to, to, to get to the people you want to, to see and listen to your music? YouTube's kind of a, it's a tough nut to crack, honestly. When I, the channel I have now for Sky Titan is the second YouTube channel I've done. Um, the first one was kind of like, it was just where you put your videos. It was like, you had a video out, cool, reach people, put it on YouTube, everyone looks at YouTube. And I didn't quite understand things like metadata and tagging and playlists and that sort of thing. It was just put up your video, tell people about it and show it to them. <clears throat> but now I've, I've taken a ton of like the YouTube creator courses. <laughs> which seems kind of silly too, but like, it's like Facebook blueprint and everything. But I feel like these companies put this out there because they, they do want you to succeed because the better you do, the better they do. Mm -hmm. And now I've kind of, I've started again, looking at it less from the throw something out there and see what happens and more from like, okay, plan your release. Why is this important and who is it important to? And just been working on the slow build on that. And it's doing pretty well. Like adding the, I think the vlog series is making a huge difference between just putting out music videos and like, you know, funny videos here and there to we have a vlog that we do every Sunday. And that, that consistency and that it's almost like a TV show, you know, it's coming out. It's always 10, 15 minutes of something. It's something new like that, but it's recognizable people the whole way through. I think mm -hmm. that that's making a huge difference for it. I enjoy it. You know, when you go on to, to uh, Atlas's YouTube page, uh, you'll see everything. It's not just music. So it's, um, it's you talking, it's, um, 
there were some stunts on there. I'm trying to think back. There's a whole bunch of different things on there. Oh yeah, so, uh, you know the stuff. <laughs> the good thing is, it's you keeping it real. You can see your personality, and um, there's always something different on it. So that's a good thing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're trying, trying to yeah. see how it's going. Yep, it's hard work. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting reacquainted with uh, Premiere. I haven't even touched After Effects yet, but getting back into Premiere and doing all the editing and everything, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> My son is right on the other side of that wall with Premiere right now. Oh, yeah. Editing. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you like about um, working, collaborating with other artists? Oh, man, the the perspective. You know, like... I, I can lock myself in a room and record, you know, 15 hours, and just keep going and writing everything. But for me, the getting that other perspective, getting someone else in there who sees something differently than you do, you're looking at the same thing, but you're both seeing it a different way. And sometimes you get these sparks of ideas just when someone says something like, oh, well, this actually made me think of this. And you're like, I never would have thought of that, but that is great. And you start writing something for it. And it kind of just it starts to morph these ideas. And for me, that was what I loved about anything we were, you know, we used to play live a ton. Like when I first moved to Austin, down on 6th Street, like three nights a week, four nights a week playing these shows. And I do a lot of, or did a lot of solo shows also in between like the bands. And it just, it wasn't the same. That collaborative energy, there's like a palpable difference in it when you're there. And it just, it spawns new creation to me. That's what I love about it is having someone else in there who's also like, trying to create and stay open-minded about it and just seeing what happens. And that's a good point you just said. So what if, so you're a business person who I'm sure um, likes to control things. <laughs> if you're in a group and collaborating with other people, how do you, how do you let go a little bit so, so they can open up and do their thing? I tried to not to like put a cap on people's ideas when they're coming up with something, but more give them guidelines within to work and be like, okay, let's try anything within this and see what we come up with and kind of see where people go. Some people are actually really, I guess maybe shy about it. You know, it's, they're not used to in a group setting, like being able to voice their ideas or there's a lot of things they're thinking about. They don't really know how to say, and sometimes you have to draw it out of them. And then sometimes you're on a deadline and you just have to direct and be like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. But I think the more, the more I feel confident in a person and the more I can see a person is confident about themselves, the more comfortable I am with kind of like stepping back and be like, okay, what are your, let's try this out. Let's try your ideas and see how it goes. Because I mean, sometimes it's golden, you know, sometimes people come up with really good stuff that they would not have said otherwise, especially if you were in control of everything and you're like, okay, these are the steps we're going to do this and that's it. And without that freedom, that, that freedom is what really makes some of the most interesting things in art, I think, especially in music. It's hard. I mean, even in business, on my end in business, um, you know, you're sitting around a table and you're in charge and it's very easy to, to shut other people's ideas down. Um, yeah. So got to stay open. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, your videos on YouTube, how, how do you go about like what's the what's the creative process for that? Uh, in terms of the, the vlogs or the music videos? The music videos. The music videos, um, for the most part, I got into film and doing like short films back when I was in college. So I really started getting a taste for what it was to direct, come up with a story, storyboard it, get your, get your people on board, kind of give them the idea of what's going on behind it, to kind of give them characters and feels and set up in that direction. And recently, I will say with the, the Chords of Eve video, that one... 
for uh, Futures Not What It Used To Be was almost 100% outsourced. I uh, met a guy on Fiverr who did some really cool work and we started kind of just kind of shooting the breeze on it. I was kind of like feeling him out. He was checking out the music. We were seeing what was working and I gave him some ideas of what I wanted to do into a video. And he was like, let me run with these. I bet I can make something you like, which was hard for me because I'm like, one, I've never met you before. I have no idea who you are. And two, it's me letting go of complete creative control of my own stuff. But uh, yeah, gave him a few ideas, gave him some themes. He went out and the amount of work he did going out and finding a location and then sending me different photos. Like, do you like this place better or this place? Do you like nighttime on this or, you know, daytime? He's like, these are all the actors I think would be good for this. These are the people I work with. Who would you like in it? And yeah, it just, it came out amazing. That was the first one where I was never behind the camera for it. So now Fiverr, if anybody doesn't know Fiverr, Fiverr, I use Fiverr a lot, is yeah. amazing. I mean, you can find anybody, it used to be, you can find anybody for $5. It's not just $5 anymore. Yeah, it's a little different um, now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sitting here banging my head against the wall some days trying to figure out some something on online or on a program I'm using. You can just go on Fiverr and pay them, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100, 200, and on up. And it it's done. Up, that's for sure. And it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, you brought that song up. I wanted to bring it up too. Um, the one, the one line in there is, "Don't ever let them tell you you can't fly." What was the inspiration for that song? It was sort of everything I kind of write. I feel like, even though I try to take myself out of certain projects, I feel like there's always this kind of like anarchy light kind of angst in like everything that I write in it. And a lot of it is people telling you, you can't do the things you're trying to do. Oh, you're trying to start a business. No, you can't do that. You don't have any money. Oh, you're trying to be a musician. No, you're not good enough at an instrument. You can't do it. Music's too hard to get into. Oh, you want to be in fashion. Well, you have to be in like New York or London or Paris. You can't do it. And there's always these naysayers who are telling you what you can't do without themselves having ever tried to do it. And that, that line, the way it kind of came in there, I mean, it's a bit of a rebellious song as it is. And that don't let them tell you you can't fly is if you think you can do something, if you're, say, a uh, hard rock and roller and you're going to do trip hop instead, don't let them tell you that you can't make that style of music because they don't know. And you might be great at it. So that's kind of just like my line of encouragement in that is if, you, if you're willing to put in the work, you realize something and you think you can do it, go for it. How did you form uh, Chords of Eve? It's almost by mistake. <laughs> it, um, it was stuff that I had written. I've kind of dabbled with the sort of like trip hop and chill out vibes for a while now because I've always been a big fan of like Massive Attack and Tricky and Portishead. And I, that, no, I love those grooves, that bassy kind of like low end style music. And uh, I was at a, a musical and there was this girl, local girl, uh, Casey, she was up on stage singing. And I was like, man, her voice is really good. It just kind of like, it caught me. And uh, my fiance, they had worked together before. So she was like, oh, do you want me to introduce you? I was like, yeah. And we started talking a bit. And I was like, there's this project I've been working on. And I think you got a great voice for it. But she'd never done anything in terms of recording like that. All of her stuff was stage performance. And she's like, I don't really know much about it. And I was like, let's just, let's take one song, try it and see what happens. And, you know, chemistry wise, we really hit it off. Everything was going really well, and we just kept building from there. And before you know it, we had the full album done. Hmm. So I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Time to release it, see what happens. Is there anybody else in the group? 
Uh, there's actually four other singers on this EP. It was just uh, Casey and I, but there are going to be a follow-up. There's a couple remixes and a couple of covers that are coming out with a few other people that are going to be surprised popping up here and there. Oh, cool. But um, yeah, the way Chords of Evil is constructed is I, I really wanted to have this open project where it wasn't, this is a band I know, they play at this bar. I kind of wanted to break out of that cycle and create a thing that was a fantasy story that dealt with like real life issues, but in this completely surreal world and also leave an opening to where, so Casey the android is the singer in this. It's a machine that is kind of learning how to be human and sounding like a human and then kind of imitating people. The idea is that no one can figure out how this happened in this particular line of androids. And there are more of them out there. We just don't know where they are. Completely leaving opening for anybody. Like the band itself is always going to be forever evolving. It's never going to be just the, the duo setup or three or four. Like it's always going to be including more people and going back to the past and coming back. It gives that opening for it, which is... I don't know, exciting, different, scary, but exciting. <laughs> what is it like when you uh, when you hear that song, wherever, uh, you know, on the radio, on, on YouTube, uh, anywhere, when you first hear it completed? It's, I don't know, it's like, especially when you hear it and you're not expecting it, it still sounds brand new to me. Even though I heard it several times a day for a year before it even got to this stage, it's like, you you know bring up a, an Alexa or something and ask it oh play something on Spotify and like that song comes up because you know, someone listened to it earlier on that or someone's playing it on their phone or something like that it still catches me by surprise and I still enjoy listening to it I'm like I think keeping that kind of that energy and that appreciation for it and not just kind of like kicking it to the wayside but like well that song's old uh, I don't like my voice in this or I don't like the way I play in this or something like that okay time to do something new I still get amazed by it that's yeah, I love hearing it, hearing it pop up somewhere. <laughs> As a performer and an artist, I mean, you're throwing yourself out there and, and your music, which is, you know, like your kids, really. You're, it's like a baby. Um, how do you deal with some of the crazy people that might be on, you know, YouTube or, or wherever else you are <laughs> with the with the comment, the trolls? who? Just, yeah. I'm sure they're there. Um, Luckily... We haven't gotten too many yet, but there's been a few that have popped up that for the most part, I just kind of, I brush it off. I'll joke with them or I've, I'm very fortunate to have uh, a fan base who also loves to joke with them. <laughs> oh, good. So that's been, that's great. I like seeing people go in and kind of pick at them a little bit and I'll be like, well, you started it. I don't know what you want to do with this. Only on, there was like one that kind of went over the top and had some some very not great remarks. And I was like, I'm just going to remove this because this it's too much. But thankfully, it hasn't been a lot. It's either neutral feedback or positive feedback. So as it grows, though, I'm sure it's going to be more and more. And that's just the, the internet right there. Unfortunately, uh, you, you, you've already mentioned a lot of your, your, your influences. Who else are your musical influences? Uh, I mean, man, there are so, so many, you know, because like I still, even though I don't play much of it anymore, I still love like metal, like any sort of hard rock. I mean, I still listen to Slipknot, Fear Factory, going back to like older stuff, like Six Feet Under and like Soulfly and Sepultura and things like that. And then you know, like uh, Tech Nine was actually supposed to be here last week, which unfortunately everything's canceled, you know, and I still love hearing that guy. Like to me, the speed at which he can rap 
and still it makes sense with what he's saying is amazing to me. So I'm always listening to his stuff. Um, I love the fact that Spotify and Pandora are always throwing new things at me. I, uh, I heard Grandson recently, which I had never heard of otherwise. I don't know anyone that knows of them, but they're pretty popular on that, you know, and their music's pretty solid. It's kind of like this synth rock kind of thing, but it's cool. I'm into it. What about when you were growing up? <clears throat> growing up was a lot of, I guess that was probably more like my hard rock days. It was stuff like uh, Rob Zombie, Power Man 5000, a little bit like Papa Roach, you know, that, that like era of things, all that 90s, Limp Biscuit and Corn. <laughs> that was kind of like Family Values Tour was my jam then. My, uh, my mom before, like I think back when I was in middle school, we really started getting into her vinyl collection because she had a bunch of vinyls. So she had Kiss and Prince and Billy Idol and all that stuff. And, you know, I think she even had MC Hammer on vinyl, <laughs> which I didn't even know they had them, but she used to play a lot of that around the house. So they I do. I have, I have some behind me somewhere. I have Everlast when he was a rapper. He's oh, behind they... me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good to have. I think that, that eclectic taste is good to have. You know, the more, more things you get exposed to, the more it kind of like gives you the arsenal of sound and ideas that you need. Because you never know what you find in something that you never would have listened to otherwise. Well, what can you tell somebody young now who wants to get involved in the music business? Do you have any tips for them? Practice will always beat out talent. I feel like there are a ton of very talented people that I meet that kind of, I don't want to say don't have drive to it, but there's, there's so much more they could be doing with it, but because they're talented, they, they don't put as much effort into anything. And I feel like if you're, especially if you're starting off and in a business like this, where there are so many skilled people, you, you've really got to practice your craft, whatever it is. If you play the bass, learn, learn everything you can about the bass. You know, if you're, if you're kind of jack of all trades, you have a bunch of things, then get a solid foundation to all of them. You don't have to be an expert at all of it. I mean, Lord knows I'm not, I'm definitely nowhere near that, but I play all these instruments to create a sound as they all work together. Whereas like on their own, eh, maybe mid-level things, not so great, but like everything together is a collective. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to know what it is you want to do and be willing to just keep putting in the time on it. And to a degree, network with other people who do the same thing. Because mm. you always learn something from other people. And that has been like a gold mine for me is just meeting other people who are doing the same thing you're interested in. And the two of you practice together or the two of you bounce ideas of what you did for practice. And it's, yeah, it will definitely build if you put in the time. Awesome. Now, little did I know um, <laughs> until about last week or the week before that gaming is like blew up and there's there's <laughs> there's professional gamers and there's leagues and uh, everything. So how did you get involved with gaming? Uh, my my involvement in gaming falls more on the fact I just love video games. <laughs> I definitely a buddy of mine. Uh, we used to compete in like the Mortal Kombat um, tournaments they would do and just get destroyed. Like <laughs> we'd get beat by you know ten year old kid in Nebraska who's just playing the stuff all the time. And so that's yeah. I kind of shy away from that. I like to watch them like mm -hmm. any of the you know uh, gaming sports stuff that comes online. But my stuff is I just. Love you like to play. Games. Yeah, totally. Everything from Super Nintendo to I got a I got a ColecoVision over here. I got Sega CD. <laughs> I got PS4 and Xbox One. Like all the stuff. I just love it. <laughs> just just to relax or just to have fun? Or both? Yeah, just it is kind of just a relaxed thing. And it also I feel like is kind of a an imagination stimulant. 
I'll go and like sometimes the music I will write, I write it in a sense of I'm trying to create a sound for what I'm seeing. Like, oh, okay, there's this shootout in the Wild West going on. What does the music sound like right now? And I started to get these ideas in my head. And then all of a sudden I got to hit pause and run and start recording something because I've got a, a guitar riff rolling in my head. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's just another way to kind of uh, inspire. You know? Cool. And the, the, the last thing, professional wrestling. I was reading your your information. <laughs> How did you get involved with in that? I love professional wrestling. My uh, yeah, I've been a fan for years and years. My mom and I used to watch like uh, Monday Night Raw and Sunday Night Heat, and then the split off and all the WCW stuff, ECW, all that. Loved it. Still do. And um, I, you know, when I was a kid, I thought I was going to grow up and be Jeff Hardy. That was my my goal. That guy, the Hardy Boys, was like my favorite tag team. And um, I did not expect to start it getting into my 30s, but my fiance, one of her friends has been wrestling with them for a few years. And we were hanging out and kind of talking. And um, I had mentioned to them that a lot of their YouTube videos were getting like pulled down or, you know, removed, banned, whatever against it because it had licensed music in it. And they couldn't play it. They didn't have the rights to play, you know, uh, Rob Zombie or ACDC track or something like that. So I was like, well, hey, maybe I can write a few theme songs for you and y'all can teach me how to wrestle. And he was like, cool, uh, be here at this time this day if you're serious <laughs> about it. And here we are a year and a half later, and I've probably done like about six or seven shows between here, uh, Houston, sometimes we get a couple in Dallas, and been wrestling ever since. That's amazing. Were you, was it scary to go outside your box? A little bit. You know, honestly, I thought whenever I play a live show, always nervous. Doesn't matter. 10 years ago now, always nervous. Every time, until I start playing, then I'm good. And so going up on this, and I mean, there's a couple thousand people at these shows. Like, it's not 40 people in a basement. It's a lot of people. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be a little bit nervous about it, but I'll get over it. And it was almost like the first time I went out, it just clicked. And I was like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be doing this. I know how this goes. I've, I've watched it done a million times. I know how it should go. And it just, it's been a ton of fun. It's just, it feels natural. Awesome. Yeah. So Atlas, what, what can we look forward to? Um, you know, once all this garbage is done, all the pandemic stuff and the oh, virus. And... Hopefully a lot of healthy and happy people. <laughs> Hopefully everybody starts doing a lot better. And, um, you know, honestly, we we still got our plans. We're still doing all this music in terms of the digital release of the Sky Titan. We're working on a hip hop project for uh, late summertime, which is still pretty much on target. We've had to shift a little bit. Um, there's also some remixes in the work for the Dear Engineer album. Got a couple of different composers who are trying their hands at doing some remixes and some DJs. So that's going to be cool to have that go out. That's another one of like having someone else in the room completely getting a different version of your song. So I'm always excited to hear that too. I love hearing people remix things. And yeah, we want to get back. Originally, we had some um, community ideas that we were doing. Some, some charity raises for a couple of places that of course got pushed back because you can't do gatherings and things anymore. But we definitely want to start kind of getting more involved in the community here in Austin, both the music side of it and just Austin as a whole. So there's gonna be a few projects that as those ideas solidify, I'm gonna start pushing out. Nice, where can we go to find uh, all your stuff? Uh, the home base is, of course, skytitanmedia.com. You know, we've got everything on there, Strings of Atlas, Chords of E, Mnemonic Frequency, and we all the new stuff will go through there. And then our Facebook page, that's kind of where we keep the smaller updates going. But, I mean, you can find us so many places. I mean, we've got Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and then if you're looking for, like, the music and everything, we're on Spotify, Pandora, uh, Apple Music, Deezer, Napster. So it's it's harder to not find us than it is to find us. <laughs> 
how can how can people is a good question maybe you can answer how can people now help um artists like you uh, during this pandemic you know i've been asked that question a few times and it's i feel like it's a tricky one to answer because there you see the impact this has had on music and musicians and it's taken away a lot of what like the revenue people have been expecting like surviving on doing these shows and even though this I feel like streaming kind of damages that the aspect of music, like releases, like selling music, or anything like that. It's a little hard to get people into it. Plus, a lot of the people who are asking how they can help are industry people who have lost their jobs too. So they don't necessarily have income coming in to go and buy your album on like Apple Music. So I've been really telling people is there are two things: streaming it. If you can, if you see anybody on Spotify, that means they're getting paid. It's very small, but they're getting paid for every stream. Mm. But if a hundred thousand people go out and stream one album, spend 20 minutes on it, that artist can then make what well, like the equivalent of making five dollars an hour to full-time job, which five dollars an hour is not great, but it's way better than zero. And it doesn't cost any side any money. So even if you are, you know, you just lost your job too, you can still do that. And it's just a matter of putting in a little bit of time and you can keep those artists afloat. The second one is if they're on YouTube, it's it's tricky because they have to have that thousand subscribers. And if they don't, their channel's not making anything anyway. But if they do, if there's like a mid-level artist you want to support, watch their videos and let that ad play in the beginning and they get a piece of it. And it's it's something, you know, it definitely, it's there to at least supplement when what they're missing now from live shows. Mm -hmm. And definitely all the links that we throw up, go on, you know, like and follow and share is important. Yeah, the, more you, the more you can share, the more people see it and hopefully they share it. Yeah, that so, word of mouth share where someone, you know, I love it when people will click a button and hit that share and put it on their wall, but it's worth like 10,000 for every time a person goes and sends it to their friend and says, hey, check this song out. Because that's almost like you get that reference where people are like, no, this is why you should listen to it. You see things on walls sometimes to scroll past, but man, that word of mouth where someone says, I like this band, you should check this out. That's the one. <laughs> awesome. Atlas Cage, I appreciate it. It was great yeah, talking to you. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you came on today. <laughs> I said a little bit late, but we made it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hopefully your pipe is fixed. Oh, man. Water. Always fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. We can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.